Oh boy, what do they do now? What on earth are Democrats going to do now that Donald Trump is this far ahead in the polls? Oh, they're going to spin it, of course. That's what we're seeing a lot of this weekend because they're sitting there in shock going, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? We know how it can be. Can we not, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, we have one of the worst presidents. I predicted, I said, he's going to be as bad, if not worse, than Jimmy Carter. And sure enough, he is. Joe Biden has turned out to be an utter disaster, as I predicted he would be. No policy chops whatsoever. He's not really running the country. And the people over in Martha's Vineyard that are... Well, they're not doing a very good job either. It is great to have you here. This is a live edition of the show. We are brought to you, as always, by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. Go check them out, LegacyPMInvestments.com. I'll put their number in the show notes as well. If you're worried about inflation, these are the guys to talk to. I mean it. By the way, Charles is going to be on the show with us next week. So make sure to tune in. I believe it's Tuesday. We're going to have him on and maybe we'll do it live so you guys can ask questions. We can kind of have some back and forth in light of this whole shutdown thing that's looming as usual again. Anyway, I want to get to this poll because this is just incredible and Democrats are totally freaking out. In fact, if you watch some of the Sunday shows, they're sitting there going, well, you know, maybe it's not what it was. There's one pollster that's out there saying Washington Post, ABC News, they should be absolutely positively ashamed of themselves. And they're going to have egg all over their face. Look, I don't think it's that hard. I think that people have gotten so badly burned by this administration, by the status quo, by the elites. They're looking at gas prices. They're looking at a weak economy. They're looking at the threat of another potential lockdown. I mean, I know we're not quite there yet, but there's a lot of chatter. They're, they're like, we've had it. We've had it. And we want change. We also don't want a guy that's so darn old. He's, I, I mean, sadly for him, and by the way, somebody should do something. For goodness sakes, these are all the hallmarks, by the way, of dementia. I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to elaborate too much on this, but I would say Typically, when someone is suffering from dementia, some of the first things that you see, unfortunately, are examples of them falling. And he's been falling and falling and falling. I don't even like to show the video because it makes me feel bad as an American, as an American to see it, but I won't. But I'll show you other versions of the falling because just last night, just over the weekend, you got to see this. Just on Saturday night, the president goes to the Congressional Black Caucus event where they're honoring some musicians. And I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Like, I really don't, because there's things that you say, things you don't say, word choices that do matter. Like, I'm going to sound like a liberal here, okay? Like, words matter, whatever. I mean, you, you do not say, boy, when referring to a well-grown man especially a black man, right? Because it, it harkens back to days of slavery and there's a lot of connotation. And so if you're a normal person and you have a little bit of a sensitivity chip, which clearly this president does not have, you don't say things like this. I'm going to show you what he said. And then we're going to go through all the other times just in the last year that he said it. What is wrong with this guy? Why is he our president? And don't tell me he's going to run again. We'll get to the poll because we, we got to go through this. But first, check this out. And two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh... 
By the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. Okay, so I think he's And MC Light, both of you, thank you. Man. And he refers to him as boy. I mean, I just can't believe this. I really can't believe this. Here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. We're waiting for a few more people to get on, but we're going to get started, if that's okay with you all. And thanks for joining me. I'm here. uh, uh, The FEMA director is on. uh, Fema Director Chris Wells, she, she's on, and I'm here with uh, with my s- senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very very well, man, and and New Orleans uh, and uh, Cedric Critchman. And- so again, you see what's going on here. My my boy who knows Louisiana really really well, my man. I mean, he has to he has to correct himself. Oh, by the way, two other times this year. It happened once when he was introducing the first black governor of Maryland. He referred to him as boy. And then there was another event when he was introducing a Muslim federal judge uh, on a Muslim holiday. He also referred to him as boy. I mean, clearly, the president has a speaking issue that sounds, frankly, racist. I don't know how you get around that. I mean, can someone not pound it out of him? He is a politician. Tell him, you cannot say this. You cannot say this. Nobody cares because you know what? They're not really fighting for what we'd like to think they're fighting for. They're not fighting for equality. They're actually fighting just to divide us and divide us and divide us to make you think that one side is more prejudiced than the other. Well, one side's not out there calling people, boy, thank you very much. Okay? Like, let, let's just call them like we see them. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Anyway, let me get to this poll here. I can't run this guy. I mean, he is so far gone. He doesn't know where he is. Every time he gets off a plane, he's looking around and around and around. He doesn't, he doesn't even have the decency when he's in Vietnam not to remind everybody that we were there, right? What did he talk about? How his favorite movie was Good Morning Vietnam while he's there in Hanoi. And that's not exactly, you know a memory that people like to think of. And then, and then he goes up on stage. He has no idea what the stage is, where he is. Watch him. He doesn't seem to get it. And they even have handle rails there for him. Now, in fairness, the other guy's kind of up there in age too. But what's going on? I mean, we don't need a bunch of people with dementia. I'm sorry. You know what? I hope he doesn't have that. I hope he doesn't have that. And that's me getting my Irish up. But I'm sick of this. Absolutely, positively clueless. So do you think it should come as a surprise that Donald Trump is at 52% compared to Joe Biden's 42%? 
A 10-point spread, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, shows you how sick Americans are of this guy who spends 40% of his work week on vacation, who can't even bother to respond to reporters when they ask him after a weekend at the beach in Delaware, hey, do you have anything to say on Maui? After lives have been lost and people's homes have been devastated. And he looks at them with a blank stare. He has nothing. He has nothing. So why has he been in this business so long other than to maybe line the pockets of his family? Considering the money that his son took in, I mean, it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for the president of the United States, Joe Biden, to exit stage left. And by the way, if the Democrats know what is good for them, that is exactly what they are going to do. Because again, looking at these numbers, they're so startling. This is Washington Post, ABC News. So this is not like some fringe little thing. This is a pretty reputable poll. And what they found was Trump's actually going up. If you look back to where Trump was versus Joe Biden in May, well, Trump was still ahead then, too. But it was 49% to 43%. (sighs) Biden's dropped a point down to 42%, while Trump is up at 52. I mean, wow. So the Post itself is acknowledging that most polls show the two candidates as neck and neck and that they have an outlier here. But their other one was an outlier, too. And so some people are like stamping their feet and they're like, gosh, you know, their polling data is so wrong. Why don't they just fix it? Because they're going to have egg on their face. And the fact that they have these crazy polls, well, that just means that just means they're going to you know, really be, be shown to be idiotic in the end. And, and there's one pollster that's being very dramatic about that with a bunch of tweets saying, gosh, you know, these guys, these guys don't know what they're doing. This is interesting. Um. NBC News pulled out of a poll of its own on Sunday, which put Trump and Biden at 46% each, a result much more in line with other, put out a poll, I should say, not pulled out of a poll, put out a poll. And so they were at 46% each. Real Clear Politics, which averages all the polls, is giving Trump a 1.1% lead. So everybody's like, oh, it's an outlier, it's an outlier, it's an outlier. It couldn't possibly be true. But, you know, back in 2016, it was those outliers that tended to be true. So I'd be curious to really drill down and look at some of these metrics, right? If you look at some of these metrics, how different are they than some of the other things that we have seen? A near majority of Americans, 48%, say both men are too old to serve another term, nearly a quarter, 23% say neither is too old. Roughly similar percentages of Democrats and independents say both men would be too old, while a slim majority of Republicans say Biden is too old. So here's the, here's the question. What are they going to do? What are the Democrats going to do? I mean, y- you, you wouldn't have gotten Ronald Reagan, I'll tell you that, if you had um, maybe brought somebody into primary Jimmy Carter. They're not going to primary Biden, but they got to figure out a solution, right? So the solutions are coming forward, and we're seeing them make the rounds on on TV doing their little auditions. In fact, Gavin Newsom from California, who fits the part, right, physically, he's younger. You don't even have to be that much younger, but he's younger, right? And he wears a nice suit, and he talks a good game, and he's got cute kids and a wife and everything. I mean, the problem with him. 
is that you want to talk about bad policy, dangerous policy. He just voted to give every black in California that can trace their roots to slavery $5 million, forgive all their debt, free health care for life. I mean, I, 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 I can't even, I, there, there's like no response to this. This guy is a political W-H-O-R-E. Okay, that's what Gavin Newsom is. That's what that is, trying to appeal. Okay, well, I'll give you 5 million bucks if you vote for me. That is called buying votes. That's not actually coming up with policy to actually have any kind of meaningful change in people's lives. And yet this guy, slick Gavin with his slick back hair, is out all over the airwaves. He was on Chuck Todd's last show. He then went on to CNN, and now he's on News Nation. Here he is trying to say, oh, I could, not, I could not possibly, possibly, possibly ever replace Joe. How could I do such a thing? No, Joe's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right. Deep respect, reverence for Joe Biden as a person, his character, his decency, and his capacity to do great things. That's why I'm not worthy of that conversation. This guy deserves it. And we, as, as members of the party, deserve to have us back more forcefully. And none of the nonsense, all this, you, you, these quiet conversations you've been in, we've all been in, folks talking behind the back, that become headlines. And we're all chasing that right now. We've got to get on the team. We've got to get this, this guy reelected. And we've got to stop all the navel-gazing and the hand-wringing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gavin, but you know what? We're realists. We're realists, okay? And we know that when... Joe Biden keeps calling people like LL Cool J, who's 55 years old, boy. And it's like the fourth time this year that he's referred to a black man as boy. When he keeps falling, when he doesn't know where he is, when he forgets how to tell a story or make his way through a sentence, and then you couple that with disastrous policy. I mean, disastrous, it's epically disastrous. Well, you know what? Like, we can't help but as Americans say, maybe it's time for change. And you know what? If you're smart, if your party's smart, they will run you. But you know what? They may not run you, Gavin. They may not because, you see, it would really tick off a lot of black women right now because there is one woman that has been patiently waiting in the wings, laughing a bit, refusing to go to the border, but nonetheless, expects, expects that, you know, she's going to get her due. And that would be Ms. Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, who says she's up for the job. You're 58 now. If you win a second term, as you and the president are running to do, he would be 86 at the end of it. The Wall Street Journal had a poll showing two-thirds of Democrats say Joe Biden is too old to run again. Are you prepared to be commander-in-chief? Yes, I am. If necessary, but Joe Biden is going to be fine. And let me tell you something. I work with Joe Biden every day. The work that under Joe Biden's leadership, our administration has accomplished is transformative. I think the American people most of all want a leader who actually gets things done. (laughs) Okay, well, that wouldn't be him and it wouldn't be you. (laughs) Okay. Because that uh, IRA, otherwise known as the Inflation Reduction Act, actually just resulted in massive inflation. I don't call that getting things done. I mean, maybe you got something passed, so you spent more money, so we'd have more inflation, so we'd be looking at a real mess right now. 
Still up 3.5% in the latest month. For goodness sakes, gas prices up 10.4% in that report, accumulating basically the bulk of that inflationary activity. I mean, it's not working. It's just not working. Meanwhile, you know, this guy that can't speak, who has no policy, who's too darn old and seems to be in quite fragile health, his son, in the meantime, he seems to be, you know, just doing fine. He's out there partying at state dinners. You know, the India state dinner, as you can as see here. Of his father and Jill Biden, the first lady as well there. He's greeting. Oh, yeah. Check it out. He's hanging out with all his friends, trying to get new business together, despite the fact that, well, it's not legal for him to actually be in that line of work because you actually do have to be registered as a foreign agent, as a foreign lobbyist. And by the way, during the Barack Obama administration, Barack Obama actually prevented relatives from his cabinet members and his direct personnel that would have included Joe Biden from taking on any lobbying jobs. But that didn't stop Mr. Hunter Biden from running around and collecting millions of dollars, 11 million when it came specifically to Ukraine, 11 million dollars. And then his dad is out there doing what? Burisma Holdings bidding? After Burisma gives Rosemont Sedica tons and tons of money, this is sketchy stuff. So Americans have had it. And then this idiot, this Hunter Biden, is such an absolute idiot and so privileged that not only did he think he could get away with a sweetheart deal and then go to the India State Dinner after, but now he's actually turning around and suing the IRS, suing. Because he's like, oh, well, this is my private information, my private information. Give me a break, buddy. It's not your private information. Your dad's out there trying to make sure we had more IRS agents to go after all those millionaires who aren't paying their fair share. Well, you'd be one of them, wouldn't you? $2.2 million. Ooh, you don't like it. You don't like it that Gary Shapley actually went on CBS News and said all this stuff. In fact, he's so angry about this. This is why he's suing. But I should point out, ha-ha, a third whistleblower, a third, ladies and gentlemen, just came out. We learned this on Friday. His testimony was recorded on September 12th with the House Ways and Means Committee and the Ethics Committee. And what we have learned is that a third person is now saying that David Weiss, who was the U.S. prosecutor, was not allowed to move forward with charges in California. Why? Oh, because Pops, his DOJ was in the way. They didn't want that going down. So instead, this schmuck gets to go spend millions of dollars, not pay taxes on it. And my gosh, what was he spending it on? Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses, prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 $2 million. The- <laughs> like, I, I, I'm trying to get my head around it. Like, I really am. Who is so brazen as to think my dad's boss, the president, said I can't lobby, but I'm going to lobby anyway. And not only am I going to lobby, I'm then going to try and hide everything that I'm doing so that nobody finds out. And I'll just spend the money. I'll spend it, I guess, really quick. So, you know, nobody knows like where it actually went and we can just put it through all these different accounts. And, you know, hopefully nobody comes for, I mean, who actually, who does this stuff? 
Who does that? I mean, and then on top of it, who expects that they're just going to have a government that would cover it up? This is truly, truly stunning. You know, Hillary Clinton, I always had a problem with because of the CGI thing, Clinton Global Initiative. But at least that was under the guise of charity, for goodness sakes. At least you could say, oh, I'm doing some good, whether or not she was, right? Whether or not the the numbers really added up. We'll leave that for another day. Um, What's his name? Peter Schweitzer has done a ton of work on that. But let's go back and watch Hillary Clinton speaking with her very favorite reporter at MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. This would have been back in 2016, talking about how even she knew, yeah, you know, like you need to have some transparency. Rachel doesn't quite nail her on this, but I think what's important to note is that even Hillary understood that it kind of doesn't seem very good when you're out around the world collecting money from the very same people that would like to have certain things certain favors from the United States of America. Last question, which I'm asking in part because we're here in New York, which is uh, the headquarters of the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative. Um, Is there a case to be made, an ethical case to be made, that the Clinton Foundation and the Global Initiative should essentially be wound down as a family foundation while you run for president? I ask that because I think about the the good works, the good charitable works Mm -hmm. that the Clinton Foundation Mm -hmm. has done. But the way that some of that work gets done is by soliciting donations from people in this country, from people around the world, from organizations around the world. I think it is not unreasonable to suspect that people may give donations to the Clinton Foundation hoping that they will favorably influence your opinion toward them as a presidential candidate or eventually as president if you're elected. Is there an ethical concern there that there should be essentially a a split between you and your family and and this foundation that has done good work, but now you're in a different position uh, with regard to potential donors? Well, look, I I think that uh, the work that it's done has been extraordinary, and I give the credit to my husband and my daughter because I haven't been involved uh, for that long. And, you know, when I look at what they've accomplished and what they've been able to amplify in terms of saving lives uh, by getting the price of drugs for HIV-AIDS down in sub-Saharan Africa, it's quite astonishing. Mm. And I would hate to lose that creativity, that imagination, that uh, extraordinary flexibility. So I think the answer is transparency. And there is no doubt that there will be uh, complete transparency about uh, donations. But when you have hundreds of thousands of people who are donating, uh, as they do, um, I think that uh, the best uh, answer for that is what we have been doing for the last several years, and that is uh, to be transparent about it and let, you know, let voters and others make their judgment. Madam Secretary, it's really nice of you to give us this time. It's a pleasure. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, Rachel. Hillary Clinton speaking exclusively with me. Look, there's a problem, right? There's a problem collecting money from all these foreign sources. And heck, she's doing it for charity. So her answer is, well, we just need transparency. We have hundreds of thousands of people. So let's just, you know, be very transparent about it. All right. Okay. Like, I'm never going to get there with Hillary and CGI and the fact that she... And her husband were doing this while she was Secretary of State. I mean, this is partly why Barack Obama was like, no lobbying, no lobbying. But he couldn't seem to fight back against the Clinton Global Initiative. But all Hunter did was say, "Uh uh-huh, I'm going to take a a page out of their book. And I'm going to go around the world and I don't need to do it for charity. I do it for the charity of myself and the Biden family, right? 
And I'll collect money from all of these people because I'm doing them a favor. Kind of like what Bob Menendez was doing. We will come back to Hunter. But, you know, Bob Menendez, senator from New Jersey, has now been indicted second time in 10 years. Apparently, apparently, uh, immediately after that mistrial back in 2018, according to this indictment, he went right back out and started doing the same thing all over again. So if this is to be believed, this uh, is all being alleged, of course. He's, he's got gold bars. He's got nearly $500,000 of cash stuffed away in his home. He's got a Mercedes convertible that was given to him. He was doing things to try and you know, help the government of Egypt. And it was going through three various individuals, one of whom had already done time or been arrested for fraudulent activity in the past. Anyway, let's go to... The the New York attorney who who's putting forward these uh, the, this indictment. I mean, this is really quite something to hear. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming. My name is Damian Williams, and I'm the United States attorney here in the Southern District of New York. Today, I'm announcing that my office has obtained a three count indictment charging Senator Robert Menendez, his wife Nadine Menendez, and three New Jersey businessmen, while Hanna, Jose Uribe and Fred Davies for bribery offenses. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I do want you to think about for one second. I'm sure that where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So I I think you got to run this down with Menendez and figure out just exactly what he was up to. He didn't have what one would say was a, a very squeaky clean reputation. And so that is very, very concerning. However, I just wonder... You know, when you think about the news cycle and everything was Hunter, 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 Hunter. The latest being that Hunter actually tried to say, hey, could I just zoom in for my court appearance? That indictment on October 3rd, Tuesday, October 3rd, he's supposed to appear in court on those federal gun charges. And he he wanted to do that online. (laughs) Sorry, buddy, you're going to need the the lockdowns and the shutdowns in order to do that again. Anyway, he, he, is, he is the story. And now you see the media chasing Menendez. Democrats don't really like Menendez anyway for a whole variety of reasons. So you know what? Like maybe they're like, good, you know, hang him out to dry. And then we change the news cycle. And we say, take a look at this big shiny toy over here. Oh, my gosh, he had gold bars. He had 488000 or whatever it was in cash. His wife was involved in it, too. You get everybody focused on that. You deliver, you know, some really compelling stuff. Uh, Here's some of the stuff that they found. You see all that cash for Senator Menendez. This is coming to us via the U.S. District Court in southern New York. And then there there were a few more charges. Let's let's listen in. But again, just just be a skeptic. I'm not saying it's not true. I think it, you know, I don't know. I I believe you're, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. Except that. I'm disturbed that this is going to become the story, but nonetheless, listen in. Let me say a little bit more about the conduct that's alleged in the indictment. The indictment alleges that Senator Menendez took several actions as part of this corrupt relationship. First, the indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence, including his leadership role on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, to benefit the government of Egypt in various ways. Among other actions, Senator Menendez allegedly provided sensitive, non-public U.S. government information to Egyptian officials, 
and otherwise took steps to secretly aid the government of Egypt. We also allege that Senator Menendez improperly pressured a senior official at the U.S. Department of Agriculture to protect a lucrative monopoly that the government of Egypt had awarded to HANA, a lucrative monopoly that HANA then used to fund certain bribe payments. Second, the indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence to try to disrupt a criminal investigation and prosecution undertaken by the New Jersey Attorney General's Office related to an associate and a relative of Uribe. Third, the indictment alleges that Senator Menendez used his power and influence to try to disrupt a federal prosecution of Davies in the District of New Jersey in two ways. First, by seeking to install a United States attorney who he thought could be influenced with respect to Davies. And second, by trying to influence that office to act favorably in Davies' case. And as we allege in the indictment, the senator agreed to do these things and use his power in this way because Hanna was paying bribes, because Uribe was paying bribes, and because Davies was paying bribes. Fortunately, the public officials the senator sought to influence did not bend to the pressure. That's a good thing. Now, as part of this investigation, special agents with the FBI executed search warrants on the residence and safe deposit box of Senator Menendez and Nadine Menendez in New Jersey. When they got there, they discovered approximately $500,000 of cash stuffed into envelopes and closets. Some of the cash was stuffed in the senator's jacket pockets. Some of the cash, it, it some of the envelopes like of cash contained Davies' fingerprints or Davies' DNA. That's not all. <laughs> Agents also discovered a lot of gold. Gold that was provided by Davies. I told you about gold. And the FBI, of course, found the Mercedes-Benz that Uribe had provided them. Now, the items that the FBI uncovered are discussed in the indictment, which I encourage all of you to read carefully. Let's take a look at just some of the items. So as you can see here, this is the Mercedes-Benz that we allege that Uribe provided as part of the scheme. What you see here are three kilograms of gold. These three kilograms together are worth approximately $150,000. Wow. And of course here you can see just a fraction of the cash that was uncovered as part of the scheme. Now I want to make a... Wow. So um, they got a bit of a problem. I mean, I, I just think the entire system really feels very corrupt. I, I, just, I, I feel kind of hurt. Do you guys feel hurt? I mean, maybe you're not as naive as I am. I, I, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me, you know, live free or die, New Hampshire roots, small government, live and let live. Just don't tax me, for goodness sakes. Like there's, there's part of me that feels very, very disappointed and disgusted in my country right now. I mean, I love America. I still say, you know, listen, this is still the best place on earth. Don't get me wrong. But when I see stuff like that, when I see what's going on with Hunter Biden, and we're going to do more on that. When I see this sort of double standard in the media, where it's totally fine for Stacey Abrams to say that she is not going to concede 
that she didn't win a race there in Georgia. And the New York Times celebrates it with this massive puff piece. They did this huge magazine piece on her back in 2019. It was actually nauseating to read. I'll save you from that. I'll just tell you the whole first part is like how wonderful she is. And does she want to run for president? And oh gosh, what's it like dating as Stacey Abrams? (laughs) That's one thing I don't want to know. Sorry. One thing I really don't want to know. Anyway, this whole puff piece on her because she has the bravery to stand up and say she still won in Georgia. She's not going to concede. And Hillary Clinton telling us over and over and over again, don't forget, that no matter what, and this was in August of 2020, Joe Biden should not concede, that he should be prepared to fight until the better end. I mean, this is her appearing on one of her former PR people's podcast in August of 2020. So some seven weeks or so before the election. Watch. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. So when I say I'm disappointed in my country, I'm really disappointed. When people say it's illegal to put those alternate electors in, and yet, what do you think happened? Back in the Kennedy race, they did that in Hawaii. And actually, it's actually a pretty common practice. Just in case, if you think a particular state is going to be close, you have like another slate of electors. What do you think we went through in Florida? Professor Alan Dershowitz, who has no friends at Harvard anymore, he tells me, you know, he still lives on Martha's Vineyard. And he's like, it's really awkward. Like, I don't get invited to dinners. And when people see me in the grocery store, it gets really, really unpleasant. Anyway, he has said, I defended Gore and I was looking for every hanging chat I could get in Florida that many years ago. It's part of the American process. If something's close, you should have the right to question it. And it shouldn't have to turn into, well, what? Four cases, two federal, two state, none of which, by the way, include anything about inciting an insurrection, which is now what they're trying to go after him on. Larry Tribe, he's the other legal professor, makes a whole lot less sense than Alan Dershowitz at Harvard. And he's coming up with some nifty way of trying to keep Trump off the ballots because of the 14th Amendment. I mean, this is what is so devastating to me. And it's like this huge wake up call when you see the corruption out there, when you see how they're trying to manipulate the media. And I think it's been going on for a long time. I'm just seeing it in technicolor right now, like bright, bright colors. Donald Trump Well, he was seeing it back in 1990. This is before he coined the term fake news. Here he is with Barbara Walters. Watch. Well, the new book is entitled. It's hard to hear, so just listen up. You might have to turn it up a little bit. There are many people who would say failing at the top. Well, I think what the press uh, has done is taken a situation where they see something and blown it to kingdom come. I've never seen anything like it. Whether it's a marriage, by the way, or whether it's financial, I've never seen press reporting as I have with regard to me. And I hope the general public understands how inherently dishonest the press in this country is. Yeah. Well, I think we get the picture now. 
I, I can I can explain a lot of that too because I've I've seen it up close and personal myself. Um, anyway, this is a, another poll. This was a Wall Street Journal poll that actually had Trump coming out ahead about a week or so ago. So that again was another positive poll for Donald Trump. So I think Americans are showing, you know what? We don't want this guy. If the Democrats are smart, they will find a replacement. But getting back to the two we initially talked about, Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris says she's ready for the job, right? We played that earlier. Kamala thinks, you know, she can step right up to the plate. Let's listen quickly again. 58 now. If you win second term, as you and the president are running to do, he would be 86 at the end of it. The Wall Street Journal had a poll showing two-thirds of Democrats say Joe Biden is too old to run again. Are you prepared to be commander-in-chief? Yes, I am, if necessary. Okay, so she's ready for the job. She wants you to know, okay, because she'd probably have to take the job. Because, sadly, I don't think he's going to make it through until he's 86. That's if he wins again. So the smart thing to do, right, is for the Democrats to pick somebody else. But they get themselves in a little bit of a pickle because Gavin Newsom, even though he's out there on the news networks auditioning and he looks good and, you know, he's got the slick back hair and this and that, he's got a terrible, terrible record. Whether or not people will really dig into that record, I don't know. It's one of the things that frustrates me tremendously about the political process because I'm always like, the wonk that wants to read the tax policy. You know, I actually, when I read every tax policy in 2016 from every single Republican candidate, I came away saying, wow, Trump has the best one I have seen, period, hands down. This is the best for the economy. Ted Cruz is, and I like Ted. But you know what? He had a VAT tax in there. I didn't like it, but it was all kind of, you know, they sneak it away in different ways. I mean, Trump's was very transparent. I liked the tax policy. So I'm the kind of person that's going to get into the nitty gritty and want to know about the policy and what are we going to do on the border and what is the plan and what is the, what is the plan with China? Are we going to, you know, keep up these tariffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Most people aren't. And so that's when you get into, you hear me talk about je ne sais quoi and the likability of someone. Kamala doesn't have it. Gavin has it more than Kamala. I, I know you may hate him, but that's just sort of the reality. People see him as kind of the movie star that comes in. Oh, he can save the country. He can't because he's not smart enough and he has no interest in policy and he's nothing but a politician. It's all he's ever been, like since he was nearly a kid, right? Like this is all he's ever done. And so I think you're going to be back in a situation where you don't really have much strength and you run the risk that it's actually the Obamas running things from Martha's Vineyard. You know, they're, they're definitely not inviting Dershowitz over to their house. But if it's the Obamas running things, here's the other thing that everybody keeps talking about. And I know none of us like it. Ted Cruz saying he's actually really, really alarmed by it. Could Michelle Obama be the one to run in 2024. Look, time's running up. They're going to have to make a decision on some of this soon. But I'm not quite sure how they get out of this mess that they're in just from the fact that Biden is old, Biden is feeble, he is weak, he is not smart, he has done a terrible job with the country. And then, of course, he's got that noose hanging around his neck, which would be none other than the son the son that he's so extremely proud of and just wants to tell us over and over just a couple months ago, telling MSNBC, I'm so proud of my boy. He's so great. Yeah, great. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. 
I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud. Really, really, really proud. Even though, even though his business partner said this. You got to be an expert in knowing the guy. And he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yep. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yep. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. <laughs> that would be the key relationship. That would be the one. That would be the one that everybody was paying up for, at least according to Victor Shokin. So Victor Shokin, I think you know. He was the prosecutor that was doing the investigation into that corrupt energy company. Interesting, they're all energy companies. They're all fossil fuel companies. For all their talk of green energy, I'd like to know why their family members are working for all these fossil fuel companies in China, Romania, Ukraine. Anyway, Viktor Shokin, he's the Ukrainian prosecutor who's like, hmm, he's sniffing around. He doesn't think that this company's up to any good. They weren't, including he looked at the fact of who they were employing, and that caused a whole slew of problems. Do you believe uh, they, they were up to no good? Were they up to doing something corrupt with Burisma? Was the company the of Burisma corrupt, has been alleged, in which since has been disbanded? I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand, and Zlochevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. Devin Archer said you were a threat to Burisma. Do you agree? No. Yes. Yes, I agree. Why? Because you were going to find out what they were up to? Because he understood... And so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities that they were engaging in that included both Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and others. What corrupt activities did you suspect they were engaged in? It would take half a day for me to discuss every single count, but uh, I can say that Burisma illegally produced, sold, and utilized gas. Flochevsky, the founder of Burisma, uh, recently made a plea deal with the prosecution in a case where he was accused of giving a $6 million bribe, which is the kind of money that you don't just give away if... Um, you're not really engaging in anything illegal. So his uh, plea deal was to cover up a $6 million bribe that, that he gave earlier. Yeah, I mean, this is just weird, right? You, you heard that. And my thanks to, to Fox and to Brian Kilmeade for that interview, because earlier I was playing you the interview. <laughs> it wasn't an interview. It was a statement that Viktor Shokin had made in Russian. Um, I believe it was in Russian. And uh, I... I, I, I had a, a loose translation there for you, but it, it's good to actually have it official. 
So you you say to yourself, there's all this money, right, coming in. I've shown you some of the bank records, $11 million from Ukraine alone. And so when Joe Biden's asked about this, here's his cheeky response. Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, a bunch of malarkey. Mr. President, what do you say? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a whole bunch of malarkey. You know, I got to say, one of the concerns at this moment in time should be Hunter still making his art, apparently still selling his art. That's a whole other can of worms, right? Because he wasn't always an artist. Like that's, that's another, like Johnny come lately. He, he goes from getting kicked out of the military for drug use to all kinds of different indiscretions to suddenly becoming a foreign agent, making millions of dollars all around the world. None of which he's paying taxes on apparently and doing all kinds of weird things with his money. And then um, now he's, he's, he's an acclaimed artist. So he went from energy expert, fossil fuels, to art. And so naturally, one would want to know, is there any danger there that there's some kind of quid pro quo that's still for sale? I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve to earn an honest living. Like, he does. It's just a question of how honest it really is. This is something that Karine Jean-Pierre herself, that crackerjack PR whiz they have over at the White House, she just can't answer. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear you, quid pro quo? I hear your quo? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. So, but we know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter. I guess she doesn't know. I guess she doesn't know. Quick reminder, we're brought to you by LegacyPMInvestments.com. All this stuff going on about the shutdown. Everybody's really, really worried about Republicans and what are they doing? What are they not doing? Listen, if you're worried, if you're looking for diversification in your portfolio, there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's no like one magic bullet. I'll put that out there. But one of the things that I do look at in my own personal life is making sure I have a little bit of gold always to kind of help weather out the ups and downs, shall we say, in the overall market. And when you look at the sort of overall trajectory of what's happening in our economy, I think it's, again, worth taking a look at because we're just going to keep spending. I don't see any end in sight. one 589 that is their number. So give them a ring when you can, one 589 Charles is actually going to be on the show next week, so we look forward to having him here. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff. Like this feels unusually bad to me. And when I say I'm disappointed in this country, it's because I feel like the corruption is just off the charts. And whether it's Menendez or Joe Biden or cover-ups or the White House counsel coming out with a letter and telling all these news organizations not to go forward on this whole impeachment inquiry story because there is no evidence. And all of a sudden you see this dramatic shift in the media literally within the span of a day, and everybody starts saying, oh, there's no evidence, there's no evidence. So here's the thing. There is no direct evidence directly linking the CEO of Burisma or the company in general or the Chinese billionaires or the Romanians or anyone else directly to Joe Biden's bank accounts. When you go through all the financial records, so far anyway, You don't see that. But what you do see is a whole lot of money going back and forth to the son's business. 
then you get a little text here or there along the way. You know, with Pops saying, well, no, not Pops, Hunter. I loved how they called this Operation Sportsman, by the way. <laughs> it's just great. So classic. The IRS had this whole investigation into him called Operation Sportsman. So Hunter texts his daughter, Naomi, and says something about how nobody appreciates all the hard work he's doing. But the good news is, you know, when she grows up, she's not going to have to give half of her money to him the way he had to to Pops. Then there was that other text when he was saying, oh, I'm sitting here with my dad. Remember this one, guys? This was kind of a definitely a smoking gun, if you ask me, sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the f- commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, he's talking to this guy over there. Zhang is his name. In China, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I mean, this is maybe not evidence, but it's um, something. Enough for me to actually ask more questions, along with the fact that there were a whopping 170 SARS reports. Wow. Suspicious activity reports that were sent to the U.S. Treasury Department by six different U.S. banks all about Hunter Biden's activities and all the money he's getting from overseas, all while, keep in mind, he was not registered as a foreign lobbyist and he wasn't even allowed to lobby because Barack Obama had banned it from members of his administration. Two over the course of of 10 years. And and how many were, were issued concerning Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the Biden family? Over 170. They were, they were direct. Wait, you were at a bank and they issued two in, in 10 how many years? years? If, you issue, if you had two SARS, they're called SARS in, in the banking industry. If you had two SARS against you, it would be hard for you to open an account somewhere. There wouldn't be any bank that would want to uh, have you as a customer because it's not worth the paperwork. Remember, when the bank files one of these, you can understand this, appreciate this, Senator. That's inviting the regulators to come in and regulate. Okay, that's the last thing the bank So want. 170 get filed. That means that somebody's getting a deposit in their account. It's a big amount. It's from somewhere suspicious. I mean, what triggers it? Why? Uh, You're a banker. Uh, what is it that makes you say we got to file, file a SAR? A large transaction that comes out of the blue. So and what's had, large? So what, what is there a well, threshold? You had, you had a million, I'll use the Robinson Walker account because we subpo- that was the first bank okay. account we subpoenaed. Now, who's Robinson Walker? Rob Walker was one of the associates that they used to uh, funnel money from China and then and Romania and then down and launder it down to the Biden. So he's a... Wow. Okay, so that's one of the accounts. I've gone through these bank records, those that have been made public myself. I have a background investigative reporting. One of the stories I won a lot of awards on, actually, was some work I did on terror financing in Latin America uh, that was going back to the Middle East, et cetera. And so I've seen these bank records. I know how it's done in terms of the opaqueness, et cetera. I actually don't think this was a tremendously sophisticated operation, you know, the fact that it took the, the IRS five years, they're like, oh, you know, it took them five years and this is all they came up with. No, no, it, it wasn't actually that sophisticated. I think the roadblocks, in fact, were very political and that's why it took so long. And so now we're in this bad situation where you have a guy, David Weiss, 
who said, oh, no, nothing to see here. You know, there's no problem. I'm able to do exactly what I want, yet we have three whistleblowers. The third one just coming out. That's new this week. Three people saying, no, no, that wasn't the situation at all. In fact, you couldn't actually move forward with this case because we were getting these roadblocks from POPs DOJ, right? That, that's the problem. And so this corruption just feels so innate as part of the system. And it's what has me really questioning how broken, in fact, we are. Really broken. Anyway, good news for Donald Trump in this poll. Bad news for Democrats. They're going to have to find someone else to run. It'll be entertaining to see who they come up with. But you can expect to see a lot of Gavin Newsom on the scene. You can be seeing probably a lot more of Kamala Harris. So that'll be fun to watch. And um, yeah, I, I, I just think this is going to be going really south for a while. Michael Donald, good to see you. Darren, thank you so much. Thank you, Rick, for the compliments on the pink. Always appreciate it. We'll never turn that compliment down. Anyway, Mark, good to see you as well. Everybody here, I just so appreciate We have a, a huge tune-in, a huge tune-in right now. And I think you guys care about this too. You're kind of in on the ground floor because a lot of Americans don't understand it. And I am so deep in it that you probably are too but I just think it's our duty we have to understand it and we have to question this and we have to hold our lawmakers to higher standards it is absolutely necessary at this point in time love you being here if you haven't gone over to the podcast on apple do me that favor make sure you go to the podcast on apple because it, it's just really really important um just just hit the follow and the download so you get that every single day. Every little bit helps, and I love having all the support from all of you right here. We'll talk again tomorrow.